Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast recording of the Doctrine and Covenants of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Even though this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort has been made to be as doctrinally and historically accurate as possible. Every day a new section of the Doctrine and Covenants will be released. I hope that you'll visit this often and be able to share this uh, with your friends. Thank you. Hi, and welcome back to the Doctrine and Covenants podcast. This will be for section 104. Um, okay, let me read the heading first. Revelation given by Joseph or given to Joseph Smith the prophet at or near Kirtland, Ohio, April 23rd, 1834, concerning the United Firm. The occasion was likely that of a council meeting of members of the United Firm, which discussed the presiding or the pressing temporal needs of the church. An earlier meeting of the firm on April the 10th had resolved that the organization be dissolved. This revelation directs that the firm, instead of reorganized, or instead be reorganized, its properties were to be divided among members of the firm as their stewardships. Under Joseph Smith's direction, the phrase United Firm was later replaced with United Order in the revelation. Just a little background on this one. Destruction of the Saints' property in Jackson County, Missouri by lawless mobs contributed to a financial crisis for the church. Earlier, the Lord had given responsibility for the church's properties to leaders within an organization known as the United Firm. Members of the United Firm were called by the Revelation and included prominent saints in both Ohio and Missouri. At a meeting of the United Firm on the 30th of April, 1832, in Independence, Missouri, it was resolved that the firm secure a loan of $15,000 for five years or longer at 6% annually or semi-annually, and that Newell K. Whitney and company be appointed to negotiate the same. In late October 1832, the Prophet Joseph Smith and Newell K. Whitney traveled together to New York City. Brother Whitney purchased goods on credit for the mercantile businesses of the United Firm. These goods were used to stock the Newell K. Whitney store in Kirtland, Ohio, and most probably the A. Sidney Gilbert store in Independence, Missouri. In addition, the United Firm incurred debt for the purchase of the Peter French Farm in Kirtland, Ohio, and possibly for land in Jackson County, Missouri. Profits from church-owned businesses and consecrated funds from the saints were to pay off these debts. This plan met with difficulties in the fall of 1833, <clears throat> when the saints in Missouri, specifically members of the United Firm, were unable to contribute financially to the church because mobs had driven them from their farms and businesses in Jackson County. In addition, in Kirtland, Ohio, an apostate named Philastus Hurlbert brought a lawsuit against Hiram Smith to obtain property owned by the United Firm. As a result, firms of, uh, funds of the United Firm were further drained to pay court costs and lawyer fees, as well as travel expenses. The prophet Joseph Smith felt that he could not journey to Missouri at the head of Zion's camp until the problems concerning the United Firm's debts were resolved. But he realized that if I do not go to Missouri, it will be impossible to get my brethren in Kirtland, any of them, to go. Thus, the success of Zion's camp in restoring the saints' property in Jackson County, Missouri, was connected to the needs of the United Firm. Donations were sought from members of the church, but it soon became evident that sufficient funds would not be raised to pay the notes that were due. Members of the firm in Kirtland had been meeting for months, counseling with one another and petitioning the Lord to show the way whereby they might free themselves from debt. 
On the 7th of April, the prophet wrote, Bishop Whitney, Elder Frederick G. Williams, Oliver Cowdery, Heber C. Kimball, and myself met in the council room and bowed down before the Lord and prayed that he would furnish the means to deliver the firm from debt, that they might be set at liberty. Also that I might prevail against the, that wicked man Hurlbert and that he might be put to shame. Three days later, the, the prophet recorded that it was agreed that the order should be dissolved and each one had have had this have his stewardship set off to him but such a plan by such a plan the property of the church managed by the united firm could be protected the creditors would have claim on property held by the united firm not on property owned by individuals this move was not made to escape responsibility for paying debts but rather to give the church more time to gather needed funds and to allow the profit to travel with Zion's camp to missouri the actual division of the property was postponed for two weeks in the hope that such a course might not be necessary. When the council met again on the 23rd of April, the Lord confirmed by revelation that he approved their decision to assign properties to individuals, but rather than allow the council to dissolve the United Firm, the Lord commanded that they reorganize into two separate orders in Ohio and Missouri. He also gave instructions regarding the church's assets and the obligation of members of the United Firm to pay their debts. Alrighty, verse 1. Verily I say unto you, my friends, I give unto you counsel and a commandment concerning all the properties which belong to the order which I commanded to be organized and established to be a united order and an everlasting order for the benefit of my church and for the salvation of men until I come, with promise immutable and unchangeable that inasmuch as those whom I commanded were faithful, they should be blessed with a multiplicity of blessings." But inasmuch as they were not faithful, they were nigh unto cursing. Therefore, inasmuch as some of my servants have not kept the commandment, which have, but have broken the covenant through covetousness and with feigned words, I have cursed them with a very sore grievous curse. Apparently, the commandment referred to here is recorded in section 98, which reads, Behold, I, the Lord, am not well pleased with many who are in the church at Kirtland. For they do not forsake their sins and their wicked ways, the pride of their hearts and their covetousness, and all their detestable things, and observe the words of wisdom and eternal life which I have given them. Verily I say unto you that I, the Lord, will chasten them and will do whatsoever I list if they do not repent and observe all things whatsoever I have said unto them. And again I say unto you, if ye observe to do whatsoever I command you, I, the Lord, will turn away all wrath and indignation from you, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. The kingdom of God can only be built on the principles of selflessness and sacrifice. Covetousness and detestable things can have no place in such a kingdom. Those entering into a covenant community, such as those established by the saints in Ohio and Missouri, were required to do with all their heart and soul. Such people must seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and the confidence that in, that in pursuing such a course, their own needs would be met. Those entering a united order for personal gain inevitably found reason to be disgruntled and unhappy. The spirit of such people is not difficult to identify, as illustrated by the following recollection of Brigham Young. In the fall of 1833, many of the brethren had gathered in Kirtland and not finding suitable employment and having some difficulty in getting their pay after they had labored, several went off to Willoughby, Painesville, and Cleveland. I told them I had gathered to Kirtland because I was so directed by the prophet of God, and I was not going away to Willoughby, Painesville, Cleveland, or, nor anywhere else to build up the Gentiles, but I was going to stay here and seek the things that pertain to the kingdom of God by listening to the teachings of his servants, and I should work by 
for my brethren and trust in God and them that I would that I would be paid. The saints in Missouri brought upon themselves the tribulation suffered at the hands of mobs in Jackson County because of their covetous desires. Nephi, speaking to those of our day, taught that the laborer in Zion shall labor for Zion, for if they labor for money, they shall perish. A. Sidney Gilbert, manager of the mercantile branch of the United Firm in Independence, Missouri, was specifically warned of the punishments that would befall him if he did not repent of his covetousness. On the 14th of January, 1833, Orson Hyden Hiram Smith wrote in behalf of a conference of 12 high priests in Kirtland to Bishop Partridge and the saints in Zion. There is manifestly an uneasiness in Brother Gilbert and a fearfulness that God will not provide for his saints in these last days, and these fears lead him on to covetousness. This ought not to be. But let him do just as the Lord had commanded him, and then the Lord will open his coffers, and his wants will be liberally supplied. But if this uneasy, covetous disposition be cherished by him, the Lord will bring him to poverty, shame, and disgrace. So you can see how, as the saints are trying to eke out a living, that as they, if they trusted in the Lord, in spite of the, the circumstances that appeared that the, this was not going to work out, that if they, they would have just had faith at least for a little while, and, and served uh, to build up Zion, then the Lord would have opened up the windows of heaven and given them blessings to beyond measure. Verse 5, For I, the Lord, have decreed in my heart that inasmuch as any man belonging to the order shall be found a transgressor, or in other words, shall break the covenant with which ye are bound, he shall be cursed in his life and shall be trodden down by whom I will. For I, the Lord, am not to be mocked in these days. And all this, that the innocent among you may not be condemned with the unjust, and that the guilty among you may not escape. Because I, the Lord, have promised unto you a crown of glory at my right hand. Therefore, inasmuch as you are found transgressors, you cannot escape my wrath in your lives. Inasmuch as ye are cut off for transgression, ye cannot escape the buffetings of Satan until the day of redemption. Elder McConkie wrote that in the to be turned away to the buffetings of Satan is to be given into his hands. It is to be turned over to him with all the protection power of the priesthood of righteousness and of godliness removed, so that Lucifer is free to torment, persecute, and afflict such a person without let or hindrance. When the bars are down, the cuffs and curses of Satan, both in this world and in the world to come, bring in indescribable anguish typified by burning fire and brimstone. The damned in hell so suffer. Those who broke their covenants in connection with the United Order in the, in the early days of, the dis, of this dispensation were to be delivered over to the buffetings of Satan until the day of redemption. A similar fate, plus destruction in the flesh, is decreed against those who have been sealed up unto eternal life so that their callings and elections have been made sure, and who thereafter turn to grievous sin. Verse 10, And I now give unto you power from this very hour, that if any man among you of the order is found a transgressor, and repenteth not of the evil, that ye shall deliver him over unto the buffetings of Satan, and he shall not have power to bring evil upon you. It is wisdom in me, therefore a commandment I give unto you, that ye shall organize yourselves, and appoint every man his stewardship. This command indicated that the United Firm was to be reorganized into individuals receiving stewardships over specific church-owned property. In so doing, the Lord approved of the decision made by members of the firm in earlier council meetings. 
Each person was accountable to make his stewardship profitable. The income from church-owned property was used for printing scriptures and purchasing lands of inheritance for the saints. In addition, with this command, the Lord reemphasized that he was the master of the earth and the saints were his stewards. That was Elder uh, Brother Joseph Eli McConkie. Verse 12, That every man may give an account unto me of the stewardship which is appointed unto him, for it is expedient that I, the Lord, should make every man accountable as a steward over earthly blessings, which I have made and prepared for my creatures. I, the Lord, stretched out the heavens and built the earth, my very handiwork, and all things therein are mine. This phrase, which comes from Isaiah, conveys the idea that the Lord took of extant materials and created the sun, the moon, the moons, and the stars, and placed them in their courses in the heavens. The notion common to the theology of the historical Christian world is that the universe was brought into being out of nothing by the free act of God. Here the Lord testifies that he built the earth, that is, it was organized of chaotic matter or element that is eternal. Uh, in Psalms it reads, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein. All accountable souls are stewards of what the Lord chooses to give them during their mortal sojourn. Each of us will be called upon to give an accounting of what we did with the talents, abilities, opportunities, and earthly wealth given to us to bless others. Verse 15, And it is my purpose to provide for my saints, for all things are mine. Bishop Victor L. Brown, former presiding bishop of the church, said that until we feel in total harmony with the principle that everything we have belongs to the Lord, it will be difficult, if not impossible, for us to accept the law of consecration. As we prepare to live this law, we will look forward with great anticipation to the day when the call will come. If, on the other hand, we hope it can be delayed on, uh, so we can have the pleasure of accumulated material things, we are on the wrong path. Verse 16, But it must needs be done in mine own way, and behold, this is the way that I, the Lord, have decreed to provide for the saints, for my saints, that the poor shall be exalted, in that the rich are made low. The Lord's means of providing for his saints was revealed to the prophet Joseph Smith when he arrived in Kirtland, Ohio in February 1831, and con constitutes the law of the church. The saints were commanded to consecrate all their property to the Lord and to receive stewardships from the bishop of the church. The portion of the Lord's, of the Lord's law governing earthly properties is known as the law of consecration and stewardship. Explaining this phrase, Elder Harold B. Lee observed that to be exalted, the poor have to be uh, simultaneously, or I'm sorry, that the poor have to be stimulated to success and pride and uplifted because the rich have been made low, or in other words, because the rich have been made humble and willing to give of their substance, their time and their talent and their wisdom and their example that the poor might be guided and directed. Not that the poor just obtain from the rich, but that the poor work for what they get. Verse 17, for the earth is full and there is enough and to spare. A major reason why there is famine in some parts of the world is because evil men have used the vehicle of the government to abridge the freedom that men need to produce abundantly. That was by Ezra Tap Benson. The earth was created by an all-knowing God who assures us that the world is rich enough to feed, clothe, and house all his children. Standing opposite this declaration are such notions as social Darwinism, survival of the fittest, and the prophets of doom who preach against our having more than one or two children. 
The testimony of heaven is that the earth is capable of providing the necessities of life for all its inhabitants. God holds his children responsible for their management and distribution of the earth's riches. Were this done according to gospel principles, there would be no poor or needy except by choice among all the nations of the earth. Having created the earth and placed Adam and Eve on it, the Lord blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. To, to those of our dispensation, the Lord said, For behold, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the air and that which cometh of the, of the earth is ordained for the use of man for food and for raiment, and that he might have it in abundance." But it is not given that one man should possess that which is above another. Wherefore the world lieth in sin. The precepts of plenty, or the precepts of men, would have you believe that by limiting the population of the world, we can have peace and plenty. President Benson observed that is the doctrine of the devil. Small members or small numbers do not ensure peace; only righteousness does. After all, there were only a handful of men on the earth when Cain interrupted the peace of Adam's household by slaying Abel. On the other hand, the whole city of Enoch was peaceful and it was taken into heaven because it was made up of righteous people. True to form many of the people who desire to frustrate God's purposes of giving mortal tabernacles to his spirit children through worldwide birth control are the very same people who support the kinds of government that perpetuate famine. They advocate an evil to cure the results of the wickedness they support. Continuing verse 17, Yea, I prepare all things, and have given unto the children of men to be agents unto themselves. Therefore, if any man shall take of the abundance which I have made, and impart not his portion according to the law of my gospel, into, uh, unto the poor and the needy, he shall with the wicked lift up his eyes in hell, being in torment. Having admonished the saints of his day to be generous with all who were in need, King Benjamin then cautioned that they do, in, they do so in wisdom and order. The gospel plan requires all to labor according to their ability. Honest toil and labor are as much a part of the gospel as faith and repentance. Any system of giving to those who claim need that reinforces indolence or idleness stands contrary to the gospel plan and will result in evil. Part of the preparation given the Savior for his ministry was to learn a trade at the hand of his earthly father, Joseph. All men, in like manner, should learn to provide for their own, for many of life's great, great lessons will be learned uh, in, their, in this process. The rich who covet their property and keep it from them and keep it from those in need are in danger of damnation. They misuse the, the trust God placed in them by granting them the riches of the earth. The language of this verse comes from the Savior's parable of Lazarus and the rich man. After his death, angels carried Lazarus to the bosom of Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried, and in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torment. For the rich, a great test of character is their willingness to give of their abundance to those in need. The church designates one Sunday each month as a fast, as a fast day. On this day, church members go without food and drink for two consecutive meals. They give to the church a fast offering at least equal to the, to the value of the food they would have eaten. If possible, members should, very, should be very generous and give much more than the value of, the, of two meals. And that was out of the church handbook of instructions. And the previous part was by Joseph Elam McConkie. <clears throat> Verse 19. And now verily I say unto you concerning the properties of the order... 
The instructions found in these verses 19 to 46 replaced previous direction concerning assignments of property to the church. Building committee, uh, a building committee in section 94 by assigning the responsibility to manage church-owned properties, the Lord emphasized what he had previously taught. Those who manage property are his stewards. All individuals who reserve who received stewardships over property were members of the United Firm. For years, the names of those receiving stewardships and the property that they received were published with sub, substitute names and descriptions. That this protected the property from being taken from members of the United Firm before they could they could obtain means to pay their debts. The original manuscripts of the Revelation contained the names and properties as they have been published since the 1981 edition of the Doctrine and Covenants. From 1876 to 1981, the correct names followed the substitute names in parentheses. That was by Joseph Fielding McConkie. Verse 20, Let my servant Sidney Rigdon have appointed unto him the place where he now resides and the lot of the tannery for his stewardship, for his support while he is laboring in my vineyard, even as I will when I shall command him. And let all things be done according to the counsel of the order and an united consent or voice of the order which dwell in the land of Kirtland. And this stewardship and blessing I, the Lord, confer upon my servant Sidney Rigdon for a blessing upon him and his seed after him. And I will multiply blessings upon him inasmuch as he will be humble before me. And again, let my servant Martin Harris have appointed unto him for his stewardship the lot of land which my servant John Johnson obtained in exchange for his former inheritance for him and his seed after him. And inasmuch as he is faithful, I will multiply blessings upon him and his seed after him. And let my servant Martin Harris devote his monies for the proclaiming of my words according as my servant Joseph Smith Jr. shall direct. And again, let my servant Frederick G. Williams have the place upon which he now dwells. And let my servant Oliver Cowdery have the lot which is set off joining the house, which is to be for the printing office, which is, which is lot number one, and also the lot upon which his father resides. And let my servants Frederick G. Williams and Oliver Cowdery have the, have the printing office and all things that pertain unto it. And this shall be their stewardship, which shall be appointed unto them. And inasmuch as they are faithful, behold, I will bless and multiply blessings upon them. And this is the blessing of the stewardship, which I have appointed them for them and their seed after them. And inasmuch as they are faithful, I will multiply blessings upon them and their seed after them, even a multiplicity of blessings. And again, let my servant John Johnson have the house in which he lives, and the inheritance, all save the ground which has been reserved for the building of my houses, which pertain to that inheritance and those lots which have been named for my servant Oliver Cowdery. And inasmuch as he is faithful, I will multiply blessings upon him, and it is my will that he should sell the lots that he that are laid off for the building up of the city of my saints, inasmuch as it shall be made known to him by the voice of the Spirit, and according to the counsel of the order, and by the voice of the order, and, th and this by the beginning of the stewardship which I have appointed unto him for a blessing unto him and his seed after him. And inasmuch as he is faithful, I will multiply a multiplicity of blessings upon him. And again, let my servant Newell K. Whitney have appointed unto him the honors, or the houses and, and lot where he now resides, and the lot and building on which the, the mercantile establishment stands, and also the lot which is on the 
on the corner south of the mercantile establishment and also the lot on which the Asherie is situated. And all this I have appointed unto, unto my servant Newell K. Whitney for his stewardship, for a blessing upon him and his seat after him, for the benefit of the mercantile establishment of my order, which I have established for my stake in the land of Kirtland. Yea, verily, this is the stewardship which I have appointed unto my servant N. K. Whitney, even this whole mercantile establishment, him and his agent and his seat after him. And inasmuch as he is faithful in keeping my commandments, which I have given unto him, I will multiply blessings upon him and his seat after him, even a multiplicity of blessings. And again, let my servant Joseph Smith, Jr. have appointed unto him the whole or the lot which is laid off for the building of my house, which is forty which is forty rods long and twelve wide, and also the inheritance upon which his father now resides. And this is the blessing of the stewardship which I have appointed unto him for a blessing upon him and upon his father. For behold, I have, I have reserved an inheritance for his father for his support. Therefore he shall be reckoned in the house of my servant Joseph Smith, Jr., and I will multiply blessings upon the house of my servants, uh, my servant Joseph Smith Jr., inasmuch as he is faithful, even a multiplicity of blessings. And now a commandment I give unto you concerning Zion, that you shall no longer be bound as a united order to your brethren in Zion, of Zion only on this wise. The Lord commanded that there should be a separation of the united order in Zion from the united order in Kirtland, explained Joseph Fielding Smith. Each was to act henceforth independently of the other. Distance was too great between these places for unity of purpose in all, the, in all things. Each order was to be organized in the names of the brethren residing in each place and to do business in their own names. This separation and dissolving of the former order came about also because of the transgression and covetousness on the part of some. Verse 48, After you are organized and you shall be called the United Order of the Stake of Zion, the city of Kirtland, and your brethren, after they are organized, shall be called the United Order of the city of Zion. And they shall be organized to their own names and in their own name, and they shall do their business in their own name and in their own names. And you shall do your business in your own name and in your own names. And this I have commanded to be done for your salvation and also for the salvation in consequence of the, of their being driven out of that which is to come. Notice that the, the legal language that they use in their names and in their names. Uh, 52. And the covenants being broken through transgression by covetousness and feigned words, therefore you are dissolved as a united order with your brethren, that you are not bound only up to this hour and un, uh, unto them only on this wise, as I said, by loan, as shall be agreed by this order in council, as your circumstances will admit, and the voice of the council direct. And again, a commandment I give unto you concerning your stewardship, which I have appointed unto you. Behold, all these properties are mine, or else your faith is vain, and ye are found hypocrites, and the covenants which ye have made unto me are broken. And if the properties are mine, then ye are stewards, otherwise ye are no stewards. But verily I say unto you, I have appointed unto you to be the steward, to be stewards over mine house, even stewards indeed. And for this purpose I have commanded you to organize yourselves, even to print my words, the fullness of my scriptures, the revelations which I have given unto you, and which I shall hereafter from, from time to time give unto you. <clears throat> the Lord's mention of the fullness of my scriptures refers to the prophet Joseph Smith's inspired translation of the Bible. At the time the prophet received this revelation, the work of translation was already completed. 
On the 2nd of July, 1833, the First Presidency wrote from Kirtland to the Brethren in Zion, We are exceedingly fatigued, owing to a great press of business. We this day finish the translating of the Scriptures, for which we, re re we return gratitude to our Heavenly Father. In June of 1835, the prophet Joseph Smith wrote to the saints, We are now commencing to prepare and print the new, new translation, together with all the revelations which God has been, has been pleased to give us in these last days, and we are in want to, of funds to go on with so great and glorious a work. Brethren, we want you to donate and loan us all the means or money you can that we may be enabled to accomplish this work as a great means towards the salvation of men. The new translation was to be published as a single volume. The prophet Joseph Smith wrote to W. W. Phelps, editor of the Evening and Morning Star, It is not the will of the Lord to print any of the new translation in the Star, but, with, but what is published, it will all go to the world together in a, in a volume by itself, and the New Testament and the Book of Mormon will be printed together. Lack of financial support from the saints' persecution and pressing temporal concerns prevented the new translation of the Bible from being printed during the prophet's lifetime. We believe all that God has revealed, all that he does now reveal, and we believe all that he will yet reveal, or that he will yet reveal many great and important things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Seeing our day, Nephi addressed those who seek to to close the heavens to revelation and silence God, saying, Woe be unto him that shall say, We have received the word of God, and we need no more of the word of God, for we have enough. For behold, thus saith the Lord God, I will give unto the children of men <clears throat> line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little, and blessed are those who hearken unto my, pre unto my precepts, and lend an ear unto my counsel, for they shall learn wisdom. For unto him that receiveth I will give more, and from them that shall say we have enough, from them shall be taken even that which they have. Verse 59, For the purpose of building up my church and kingdom on the earth, and to prepare my people for the time when I shall dwell with them, which is nigh at hand. And ye shall prepare for yourselves a place for a treasury, and consecrate it unto my name. And ye shall appoint unto me, or ye shall appoint, let's see, verse 61. I think I messed up a verse here. Verse 61. And ye, shall org and ye shall appoint one among you to keep the treasury, and he shall be ordained unto this blessing. And there shall be a seal upon the treasury, and all the sacred things shall be delivered into the treasury. And no man among you shall call it his own, or any part of it, for it shall belong to all with one accord. J. Reuben Clark said, The Lord created two other institutions besides the storehouse. One was known as the sacred treasury, into which was put the avails of the sacred things in the treasury for sacred and holy purposes. While it is not clear, it would seem that into this treasury were to be put the surpluses which were, which were derived from the publication of the Revelations, the Book of Mormon, and other similar things, the stewardship of which had been given to Joseph and others. The Lord also provided for the creation of another treasury, and into that other treasury went the, great, or went the general revenues which came to the church, such as gifts of money and those revenues derived from the improvement of stewardship, as uh, distinguished from the residue of the original consecration and the surpluses which came from the operation of their stewardships. We have in place of the two treasuries, the sacred treasury and another treasury, the general funds of the church. Thus you will see, brethren, that in many of, of its great essentials we have, as the welfare plan has now developed, the broad essentials of the United Order. 
wonder what's in that treasury today. Is there uh, golden plates, uh, Urim and Thummim, Liahona? I don't know. And I give unto you, I'm just starting a rumor here, I guess, aren't I? Sorry about that. And I give unto you from this very hour and now see to it that ye go to and make use of the stewardship, which I have appointed unto you, exclusive of the sacred things for the purpose of of printing those of these sacred things, as I have said. And the avails of the sacred things shall be had in the treasury, and, I, and a seal shall be upon it, and it shall not be used or taken out of the treasury by anyone, neither shall the seal be loosed, which shall be placed upon it only by the voice of the order or by commandment. And thus shall ye preserve the avails of the sacred things in the treasury for sacred and holy purposes. And this shall be called the sacred treasury of the Lord, and a seal shall be kept upon it, that it may be holy and consecrated unto the Lord. And again there shall be another treasury prepared, and a treasurer appointed to keep the treasury, and a seal shall be placed upon it. And all monies that you receive in your stewardships by uh, by improving upon the properties which I have appointed unto you, in houses or in lands or in cattle or in all things, save it be the holy and sacred writings, which I have reserved unto myself for holy and sacred purposes. In other words, I guess the gold plates that Moroni uh, has and sealed up, shall be cast into the treasury as fast as you receive monies by hundreds or by fifties or by twenties or by tens or by fives. Or in other words, if any man among you obtain five dollars, let him cast it into the treasury. Or if he obtain ten or twenty or fifty or an hundred, let him do likewise. And let not any among you say that it is his own, for it shall not be called his, nor any part of it. And there shall not any part of it be used or taken out of the treasury only by the voice and consent or common consent of the order. And this shall be the, the voice and common consent of the order that any man among you say to the treasurer, I have need of this to help me in my stewardship. If it be five dollars or if it be ten dollars or twenty or fifty or a hundred, the treasurer shall give unto him the sum which he requires to help him in his stewardship until he be found a transgressor and it is manifest before the council of the order plainly that he is an unfaithful and an unwise steward. But so long as he is in full fellowship and is faithful and wise in his stewardship, thus shall he be to- this this shall be his token unto the treasurer that the treasurer shall not withhold. But in case of transgression, the treasurer shall be subject unto the council and voice of the order. And in case the treasurer is found an unfaithful and, un- and an unwise steward, he shall be subject to the council and voice of the order and shall be removed out of his place, and another shall be appointed in his stead. And again, verily I say unto you concerning your debts, behold, it is my will that you shall pay all your debts. Those who were later called to positions of trust similar to that of members of the United Order or United Firm assumed the debts and obligations entered into by their predecessors. Brigham Young accepted responsibility for the Prophet Joseph Smith's debts. Joseph was doing business in Kirtland, Brigham explained, and it seemed as though all creation was upon him to hamper him in every way, and they drove him from his business and, and it and it left him so that some of his debts had to be settled afterwards and i am thankful so that they are they have that they were settled up still further we have sent east to new york to ohio and to every place where i had any idea that joseph had ever done business and inquired if there was a man left to whom joseph smith junior the prophet owed a dollar or a sixpence if there was he would pay it but i have been un, i have not been able to find one i have advertised this through every neighborhood and place where he formerly lived. Consequently, I have a right to conclude that all his debts were settled. That's honorable, isn't it, that they settled all his debts after his death. That's awesome.
Verse 79, And it is my will that you shall humble yourselves before me and obtain this blessing by your diligence and humility and the prayer of faith. And inasmuch as you are diligent and humble and exercise the prayer of faith, behold, I will soften the hearts of those to whom you are in debt until I shall send means unto you for your deliverance. Therefore, write speedily to New York and write according to that which shall be dictated by my spirit. And I will soften the hearts of those to whom you are in debt that it shall be taken away out of your out of their minds to bring affliction upon you. And inasmuch as ye are humble and faithful and call upon my name, behold, I will give you the victory. And I give unto you a promise that you shall be delivered this once out of your bondage. Inasmuch as you obtain a chance to loan money by hundreds or thousands, even until you shall loan enough to deliver yourself from bondage, it is your privilege. And pledge the properties which I have put into your hands. This once by giving your names by common consent or otherwise as it shall be as it shall seem good unto you. I give unto you this privilege this once, and behold, if you proceed to do the things which I have laid before you according to my commandments, all these things are mine, and ye are my stewards, and the master will not suffer his house to be broken up. Even so, amen. I bear testimony that these things are true, and as we learn the principles of stewardship and accountability and the law of consecration, that that will be the law that we live uh, in Zion and in the celestial kingdom. And I bear that testimony in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. See you next time. Bye.